Well, um, just want to summarise a little bit from last week before we move on this week. And um, you recall that we started off with that well-known scripture from James chapter 15, chapter 5, sorry, verse 16, where it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And we looked at that the effective, fervent prayer was the heartfelt, sincere, continual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And the big point was that prayer makes a difference. Our prayers are probably more powerful than you actually think they are. And um, along, as, along with sharing the gospel, it's one of the most powerful tools and the powerful things we can do to reach lost people. As I say, there are very uh, different types of prayer for different situations. And uh, it's important that we understand how to use them effectively so that we can get breakthrough and we can get answers. That's what we want. We want answers to our prayers. Um, that's the bottom line. In other words, we don't just pray any old prayer, but purposeful, specific, and targeted prayers are what we're looking at. It needs always to be prayer based on the Word of God and led by the Spirit. These are two key things. Okay, and they need, it needs to be relevant for the situation. And I mentioned and we looked at the most appropriate prayer when praying for lost people is what we call the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. And one of the greatest callings of the church and for all believers is intercession. Intercession for lost people. Jesus said himself in Mark eleven seventeen, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? We looked at intercession means to stand in the gap on behalf of somebody else. It means to take the place of another. It means to come between them and God and act like a, a mediator between the two. And God is looking for people who care enough for others to intercede for them, to stand in the gap for them. We don't just pray because it's a, a good idea and we know we should. We pray because... It's God's heart. God loves people. He wants no one to perish. He wants everybody to believe and come into his family. And we need to get engaged and involved to help this happen. You know, Jesus said, with all the commandments that were given, he said they're summed up by two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and all your soul. And the other is love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I tell you what, praying is one of the most loving things you can do. It shows you that you're obeying God and therefore you love God. And it's the most loving thing you can do for someone else is to stand in the gap for them and prepare to sacrifice time and effort to pray for their salvation. It's one of the most loving things you can do. We looked at there's a spiritual battle that's going on between light and darkness, between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, between God's kingdom and the devil's kingdom. Remember, the devil is trying to destroy lives. He's trying to keep people away from God. He wants to take people to hell with him. Whereas God is trying to reach all people and he wants all people to say, be saved and come into his kingdom. Remember the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life abundant, John 10.10. 10. And as I said, there's many aspects to the, to the spiritual battle uh, and even in our own lives, but ultimately the biggest battle in the spirit realm is a battle for souls. And that's what we're talking about. Lost people ultimately are under Satan's control. He's blinded their minds. He has them captive, and it's our job to help them see the, see the truth and set them free. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, that's Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Unsaved people are spiritually blind. They don't think they're rejecting truth. They, they think we're all deluded. They cannot see the truth of the gospel. And Satan is doing all. It's his main mission. is to deceive people and distract them from the truth. To blind them with lies and philosophies, confusion, fear, etc. To distort and pervert their view of who God is. And our intercession is not only to ask God to extend his mercy, which is part of it, and we did look at that last week. Because actually, God's already done that in Jesus Christ. He's given his mercy and shown a way. Our intercession is mainly to break the bondages that the devil has over people. Paul brings this out in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is not against people. Not against flesh and blood. People are not the problem. God loves all people. It's the devil and his demon spirits. That's what it means by the powers of darkness, the spiritual forces of evil. And when we pray, we're attacking, we're confronting the demonic forces that are blinding people. We put pressure on that demonic world, upon Satan. And we use the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, remember, against demonic forces that are holding men bondage. And in deception. And it's only believers that can do this. Only believers are spiritually alive and uh, have access to the unseen realm and can confront and overcome these uh, demonic spirits. You know, it's interesting, uh, in the land of South Korea, a country in Asia, um, they were once one country, Korea, and then there was a, a civil war there in the 50s the Korean War, and uh, after that war, um, the country was devastated, poor, broken, and uh, it was separated into South Korea and North Korea. And in South Korea, we've seen since the war, in the, from the 60s onwards, that country absolutely boom and blossom. One of the most prosperous countries, richest countries in, uh, in Asia. It's also one of the countries that has one of the highest Christian populations they uh there are, i've done some research they reckon that 30 percent of the population in south korea are christian that's an incredible percentage when you look at the rest of asia where there's hardly any i mean we go up to bangladesh and in bangladesh there's less than half of one percent are christian south korea 30 percent i think other than the philippines which has got a high catholic population there is no other no other country like it in asia it's, it's a miracle of god and in Southeast, in, in, sorry, in Korea, there is um, what they were purportedly the biggest church in the world. You may have heard of Dr. Yongi Cho and uh, his church there. They reckon reportedly over a million people in it. Incredible. And uh, so a lot of people have asked him, well, you know, what, what's happened here? Why has South Korea been so blessed and, 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 and blossomed in its economy and, and, uh, and, and also seen such huge rise of Christianity and the two of course are very much linked absolutely linked and uh, I'm quoting here Dr. Yongi Cho he said this 
He said, we have broken through the lid of demonic forces over the land and through massive ongoing prayer and spiritual warfare, we are maintaining the whole through the heavenlies to secure the ongoing flow of God's blessing upon our people. Through prayer. Through prayer. It's absolutely incredible. And you look at North Korea by comparison. Oh, rocket man running the place. It's an absolute basket case of a country. Communism. Com don't tell, tell me communism's any good. It's, just a, it's a failed philosophy. You know, the church up there is highly persecuted. There is less than 1% Christian population in North Korea. It's the same people. And you see this amazing contrast. A very poor country. Total control. Persecution of the church. Churches are not allowed to meet. You're even, I think it's up to 15 years prison if you're caught with a Bible. And you wonder why the country's a basket case. Whereas South Korea, there's been freedom for the gospel to go forth. There's been massive prayer and it's seen a breakthrough. And look what's happened in that country. So an American evangelist asked Dong Yong Cho about this as well. And he said, why are so people so open there compared to other places? And he gave a, a similar answer. He said, the answer is that through prayer, they had broken through the spiritual realm and broken the spiritual oppression. Christian prayer, spiritual warfare was, is the key to winning souls for that nation and for this nation. Yeah, and so it is. Same principles for us. To successfully win souls and see people saved, we've got to break through the spiritual forces of darkness that are holding people captive. Now, Jesus gave a very interesting example of this. We're just going to have a look at that briefly here. He explained uh, this principle when he was challenged by the Pharisees one day after healing a man, delivering a man of a demon spirit. And uh, Jesus was addressing there, you know, he was trying to, they were basically trying to accuse Jesus of being a demon himself. And, and that's how he got rid of the demon. And Jesus said, well, that doesn't make any sense. And he says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 28 to 29, he said, but if the spirit of God, but sorry, if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder the house. You see, the power to tie up or bind in other versions is given in order to plunder the strong man's possessions, to set people free from demonic bondages so they can respond to the gospel and get saved. See, a strong man controls his own house until someone stronger comes along and can overpower him, can bind him and plunder his house. It's quite interesting. Uh, in Luke's version of the same story, in Luke chapter 11, verse 21 to 22, it puts it a little bit differently, but it helps brings the, bring the truth out. It said, when a, in Luke 11, 21 to 22, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. The stronger man, he attacks and overpowers. This describes the, the same concept as bind or tie up mentioned in, in Matthew's version. The application is that Jesus is the stronger man. He's overcome Satan and taken his away his power over the, the house. And we know that, that Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. Colossians 2.15 says that. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus won back at that time when he died on the cross and rose again. 
He won back everything that the authority that Adam had lost. As I said, we're going to be looking at all this with the 40-day uh, campaign on, uh, on the authority of the believer. But he won everything that Adam had lost. He won it back and he's given it to us. And now we represent Jesus. With Jesus in us, we are the stronger man. And we overpower the strong man, the demonic forces, and plunder people's houses. In other words, to see souls released from his, co his, his control and brought into the kingdom. See, unsaved people are captives. So we do for them what they can't do for themselves. The devil is bound them with pride, with fears, confusion, guilt, unbelief, depressions, deceptions, which all hinder them from seeing the light of the gospel. And we pray to break this deception off and the strongholds off that are keeping them from the truth. Jesus has given us authority to execute judgment on the devil. He says, I've won the victory. I'm giving you my authority and I'm giving you my power. Now go. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. So we're not trying to defeat the devil in prayer. Jesus has already done that. Our job is to enforce the victory that Jesus has already achieved. Matthew 28, it says, All authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, go. He's saying, okay, I've done it now. I'm sending you to go and preach the gospel to all nations, to make disciples of all people. So we must understand and operate in this authority. And as I say, the 40-day campaign, 40 campaign is going to be great to help you with this. Know who we are. We're above only and not below. We're the head and not the tail. Amen? And so you need to be part of this campaign. It's really going to, if, you, if this is a new concept to you or you're not quite sure about it, I'll tell you, by the time you come out of this 40-day campaign, you're going to be attacking that devil like he wouldn't believe. He's going to be so sorry he messed with us. So don't be shy. We should never be scared of him. Jesus has won the victory. We have the authority. We have the power. Now, these are powerful truths, and God is relying on us. So that's a rather long-winded summary of last week. <laughs> but anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. And today, as I said last week, I want to look at some specific prayer points that uh, you can use in prayer. Uh, and I have um, done a handout for you. Uh, we haven't got it here, but you can pick it up afterwards at the information center of these 10 points that I'm going to cover. Now, this is not a necessarily a comprehensive list. It's certainly not a formula. They're just ideas and, and, and scriptural ways that you can pray uh, because a lot of people want to pray and they're not quite sure how. And so these are a practical, biblically-based um, points, prayer points that you can pray over people. And if, the important thing is you take them. And, uh, and, you, and when you're praying, you get, you let, you're being led by the Spirit. Um, as to, as to apply, how to apply them and who to apply them to. And of course, my prayer points are, are generic. You need to personalize them for the people that you're praying for. Okay, that's the whole idea. So let's have a look at number one. One is just what we've been talking about is to pray for the removal of strongholds. Pray for the removal of strongholds. Now, this type of prayer is not so much, not so much praying to God. This is more what we call declarations. We declare things into the spirit realm. We stand in the authority and we make a, what we call a prayer of declaration. And in Job 22, uh, 28, I think it might be, um, it says we can decree a thing and it is done. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Our words have amazing effect and amazing power. So these are really, these are declarations that we're making into the spirit realm. Um, 
2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. It says, The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everyone say demolish. Demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's what the devil's trying to keep people from the knowledge of God. So we've got to break those things off. Well, it's done in prayer. It's one of our most powerful weapons. We pray against arguments and pretensions that hinder people coming to the knowledge of God. In the New American Standard Version, it says we're destroying speculations. So arguments, speculations. And it also talks about um, pretensions. And in the New American Standard Version, it says lofty things that raise themselves up against the knowledge of God. The devil builds strongholds. In some version, it says fortresses. These are like barriers around people's minds, around their lives. And they're all based on deception. They're all based on lies. Arguments, speculation, based on deception, a wrong understanding of truth. Ideas that are not from God. Incorrect thinking that is contrary to the truth. False doctrine, new age beliefs, secular philosophies, people's own opinions and thoughts. Like God doesn't exist. The Bible's an error. Evolution. False religions. How many billions of Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists think, think they're believing the truth and they're not? It's all been a, a lie of the devil to try and take people away from the true God. Pretensions and lofty things are all things that are based on pride. Pride. Wrong attitudes, opinions, wrong desires, such as I'm a good person. I don't need God. Christianity's a crutch. We control our own destiny. All these things, I can do everything on myself. New age thinking. But the word tells us we have divine power to destroy these strongholds, these fortresses. So let's not hold back in our prayer, church. We often refer this type of prayer actually to spiritual warfare. And as part of this, we also use what's called the prayer of binding and loosing to deal with Satan's strategies. Matthew 16, 19, it says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I've given you the keys, Jesus said. Now, what do keys do? They open things. So based on all that Jesus has done and all that the word promises, we command spiritual forces and in do so, we turn the key to heaven. We open up the kingdom to them. Binding and loosing, what it does is it clears people's thinking. Deliverance from confusion and the deception. Binding means to forbid. It means to prohibit, to stop, to declare unlawful. Very powerful prayers. So what we do is we identify the things that the devil is using against people. And we forbid them to operate. And this comes in the way of a declaration that we speak out over their lives in Jesus' name. Whereas loose means to release, to free from restraint, to declare lawful. Now, if you're not familiar with praying in these ways, using these, these principles, you can start just by as simple as saying, I bind Satan's influence over Joe's life and I loose the will of God into their lives. And then what will happen is, as you pray, and you invest in praying for people, 
you'll become, what I, well, this is what I've found anyway, I, I, you become more involved in the spiritual realm of that person. And God starts to reveal more about them. And the Holy Spirit will show you things. When you're praying and invested, like the Holy Spirit will then bring revelation about those people. Aha, this is the issue with this person. And then bang, you can be more targeted. Rather than throwing a general dart, you can go right for the bullseye and pray specifically into the areas and the issues that are, that are, are coming against that person. So ask God too. Ask the Lord to, to, to reveal specific strongholds. What's the issue with this person? Why are they so anti? Why are they believe what they believe? If you do that and start praying, Holy Spirit, he'll show you. might not come straight away, but it'll come. And then you can pray, as I say, more effectively. And then finally, we keep praying and we keep praying till finally their eyes are opened and they can make their own decisions and come to Christ. And we put a claim on them. We claim this person in the name of Jesus. We claim them as Jesus' possession based on what he's done on the cross. And we command the devil to let them go, like Moses did to Pharaoh. He said, let my people go. Made a de declaration. So that's the first prayer. Prayer, Pray against the strongholds that are in people's lives. Number two, we should pray that the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of their understanding. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, The God of this age, little g, remember, that's Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So what we do here is we've got to loose their minds from Satan's deception and from wrong understanding so they can see the truth, the light of the gospel. Pray that their eyes would be open. There's a wonderful scripture here in Ephesians 1.18. Wonderful scripture to pray. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, which is our understanding, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know to the hope to which he has called you. There's a great scripture to pray over people. So we use the word of God. Nothing more powerful to pray than the word of God. God is honored by it, is bound by it and will honor it. So pray for people's eyes to be opened to the truth. Point three, pray that they will get a revelation of God and their need for salvation. You might recall the time that Jesus was talking with the disciples and he was asking them, well, you know, who do people say I am? And he said to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 7, sorry, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Peter had a revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. So pray for people that they would get a revelation of God. That God would reveal himself to them and reveal his love for them. You see, people actually will never comprehend or believe the mystery of salvation unless the Holy Spirit gives insight. He brings a supernatural revelation that opens, people eye, opens people's eyes to the truth. So pray for revelation. Point four, pray for God to draw them to himself. See, it's not the nature of a, our, our fallen man to uh, take the initiative and come to God. We looked at this last week, didn't we? We're all like sheep have gone astray. There's no one who seeks God. So God needs to take an initiative. And he does this. He wants to 
draw people to himself. And in fact, I, when I was studying for this word, I looked up the, looked up the, the meaning of the, of the word draw, and it, it comes from a, a Greek word called helkio, which I never, never knew this before. And actually, the literal meaning of it is to drag. So it's a very proactive word. It's not, not passive. God is, he's after souls. He wants people. He loves people. And it's almost like to drag. In fact, they used it. Um, the same word is used when um, the guys were fishing. Remember, Jesus said, let down your, your nets on the other side. And they tried to haul it in. They tried to drag it in. It was the same word. So in other words, the net didn't drag itself in. It was, all the work was done by the people doing the dragging. The drawing. That's God. God has got to play a part. God, no one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And so um, uh, we've got to respond, of course. God uh, doesn't make anybody, um, you know, he's given us a free will, but we have to respond. But without God drawing us, I'll tell you, we wouldn't get there. Only those that have been drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God will come to Christ. So pray that God would draw them. Remind God of his love for people. Number five, pray that people would begin a spiritual journey to know God. There's a sort of a sequence here, and I'll, I'll touch on it in a minute, but pray that people would respond to this drawing. Start to ask questions. They would desire to know truth. You see, God, when he created us, he created us primarily for a relationship with us. He doesn't, he doesn't force anyone to accept him, but that's his intention, and that's his desire for us. He created this whole world for us, for fellowship with him. And in reference to that, in Acts chapter 17, verse 27, it says that God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. You see, God has placed everyone, everyone in a place where they can find him, where it's possible to find him. Creation itself. I woke up this morning, I went for a walk before I came, came down here, and I just, I just look at this wonderful creation. And you, you can't help but see God in creation. It's just beautiful world that he's created for us. And he's not far from anybody. So pray that people would seek, would just see God even in creation, would see and, and reach out for him, reach out for understanding and truth. I don't believe there's anybody that hasn't in their growing up, in their formative years, I was like this before I became a Christian, that wants to know, why am I here? Where did I come from? Start a journey of seeking truth and understanding, not just accepting what they're taught in school, thinking for themselves, knowing in their sight more, there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more than life. I think we all know that deep down. Don't try and rationalize it. So pray that people would begin a spiritual journey and to seek him. And point six, pray that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction of sin. In John 16, 8, it says when he comes, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. So we pray that people's consciences would be awakened to God's righteous standard. Remember the word tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, of God's perfect standard. No one meets it. And then pray for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin, that he would reveal the danger that people are in. In Romans, it also says this, that the wages of sin is death. Well, that means an eternity in hell. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There are a couple of great scriptures you should also have to be able to share with people um, when you get the chance. So pray that he would bring conviction of sin. See, without conviction, 
of sin and judgment and God's righteous standard, people will see no need for salvation. They don't understand they're in trouble. They're not going to look for someone to get them out of trouble, are they? They'll see no reason to accept a saviour. So very important that they get this. And I shared last week part of my salvation testimony. And, um, and when I looked at it, and I, and I thought, well, look, I can see a lot of these principles involved. I mean, obviously, firstly, someone was praying for me. I don't know about that side of it. But obviously, somebody was breaking some of these strongholds off my life. I didn't know it was happening. But then I was being drawn. And I found myself starting to ask questions and wondering, well, is this true or not? So I was being drawn. Something was happening to me. I didn't understand it all, but I, was, I can look back now, and I was definitely being drawn. I was showing more interest. And so I started seeking understanding. And as, as I did that, the eyes of my understanding became open. I thought, oh, wow, wow. God, this could be true. And as I seek more light, more light came. And I got a revelation of God. I thought, wow, God is real. And I, that's, I came to that point. I thought, well, do I actually believe that God exists or did I believe in evolution? So that was a huge decision for me to make. And through this process, I came to the thing. I thought, no, God gave me, I, I believe in that God's real. But that was where it finished. It wasn't until I got conviction. I told you the story last week. I got conviction of my sin that I actually called out and repented and was saved. It was a process. And I did that and I just, man, Holy Spirit visited me one day, one morning, I told you. And I just was, was reading and all of a sudden it came, I just started crying, bawling like a baby. And just saying, God, I'm a sinner, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. That was the goodness of God. That was God, the Holy Spirit doing His wonderful work in me, convicting me and leading me to repentance. And that brings me to the next point, number seven. Pray for God's goodness to lend people, lead people to repentance. Once again, this is all backed up by Scripture. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the second part of the verse, says God is not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. There must be genuine repentance and salvation. People turning away, convicted of sin, turning away to accept God. That's what salvation is. Romans 2, 4, it tells us it's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not something we do in our own right. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit and His goodness and His love for us convicts us. And then we can make that final step. Now, we can still resist. I couldn't resist that day. I tell you, I was just, God had me. But um, that I gave my life to Christ. But it's His goodness. It's His goodness. So we pray for people to extend His goodness. Now, he's already, His goodness is already extended in many ways. Understand that. But uh, pray that His goodness would lead them to acknowledge their sin and repent. And this is where, as I say, I love reminding God. I said, well, God, you love all people. You don't want anyone to perish. You've said that, Father. You love Job. Please, Lord, extend your goodness to them, Lord. Open their eyes of their understanding. Visit them and convict them, Lord, because of your love for them. Because of your love for them, Lord. Remind God. This is what an, this is what an intercessor does. He stands between God and man and negotiates. He's like a mediator. As I say, we, we did talk about that last week. Repentance, at the end of the day, is a gift. It's a gift from God. So pray that people would follow the conviction of their heart, that they would recognize and respond to God's grace and kindness that is leading them to repentance and faith in Him. Number eight, 
Pray that God would soften their hearts. In Hebrews 4, 7, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This was a, a reference to um, the Old Testament where the Israelites were in the desert, in the wilderness, remember, for the 40 years, and they started rebelling, grumbling against God. They hardened their hearts. They didn't want to listen to him. They didn't want to do what they were told. And that's where that scripture comes from. And I'll tell you what, man hasn't changed. <laughs> man hasn't changed. People don't want to be told what to do. Have you found that with human nature? We don't want to be told what to do. We want to be in charge of our own lives. And pride, you see, is the underlying sin that we all have to deal with. People are stubborn. People want to be self-reliant. So we want to pray that they would not resist the Holy Spirit, not a fight against what God is trying to do in their lives, that they would open up their hearts to the Lord. It's a good prayer to pray. Pray that open up their hearts to the Lord. There's a lovely example of this in the book of Acts. Paul was traveling around and giving, him a, giving us an account of his journeys. And he was in the city of Philippi. And uh, he was meeting just outside the city with a group of women who were interested. And he was bringing the gospel message. And uh, one of the ladies there was a lady by the name of Lydia. And we read in um, Acts chapter 16, verse 14, it says, The Lord opened her heart. This is Lydia. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Paul's preaching the gospel, and the Lord opened her heart. Now, she had some belief. She had been drawn. She was seeking truth. But God softened her heart, and she responded and opened it fully. And then, of course, we read further on that she accepted Jesus and was baptized. Praise God. But God had to open up the heart. So pray that God would soften and open the hearts of those people that you are praying for. Number nine. Pray for a divine visitation. In Job chapter 10, verse 12, it said, You have granted me life and flavor, and your visitation has preserved my spirit. In Job, the Lord visited Job and spoke to him. And we see throughout the Old Testament, but even the New Testament with Paul on the Damascus Road, so on. We looked at that last week as well. Uh, we see examples of God supernaturally visiting people. Another example was um, the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, God had spoken to him. And Jeremiah was writing to the uh, Israelites that had been in exile in Babylon. You remember they took, got taken captive and they went down to Babylon and they were there 70-odd years. Um, and, uh, and so Jeremiah's writing to them. And he says this, For thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you. I will visit you. And perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. And that's exactly what he does. At the end of the 70 years, supernaturally, remember Daniel was praying. They were praying, reminding God of his promises. 70 years, you said, we had the word of the prophet. And God released them from Babylon and returned them to their homeland, to Jerusalem. Uh, marvelous story. that God visited them to bring it about. See, a visitation of God always changes destiny a visitation from god changes destiny you see it time and time and god hasn't changed he's the same yesterday today and forever what he did then he can do again today so pray that his visitation upon people would set them free and restore them i've had a visitation from god 
haven't got time to go into it now, but it was not last, it was part of my salvation testimony, really. After that, I had a, God came into the room, I, I can't explain it, but it was, it's changed, changed my life. Changed my life. Yes, I was already saved, but when you have an encounter with God, I tell you, your life's never going to be the same again. So pray. Some people, that's what they're going to need. <laughs> some people are, you know, some people are, are, are hard work. And uh, that's what they're going to need. They're going to need an encounter with God just to grab them by the scruff of the neck and say, hey, wake up. Um, and don't think it's not possible. It is happening today. We're reading and hearing stories coming out of the, the Muslim world, for instance, where, you know, you can't preach the gospel. There are millions and millions of Muslims and, and perhaps Hindus, other religions and, and countries where the Christianity and the gospel is not preached. But these people have no one praying for them. I mean, we all pray generally for people everywhere, but by name specifically, there are millions that have would never had anybody pray for them. So it's, you know, how can God reach these people? We're hearing reports coming out of, uh, of particularly the, the, the Muslim world where God is just visiting people. And they're having these divine encounters. They're just waking up in the middle of the night. And then there's like an image or there's Jesus in the room with them. It's amazing. And of course we know, the Bible tells us, in the last days there'll be dreams, there'll be visions. So pray for this. Maybe that's the key to get that person. It's the, key, the key to everybody is different. But God knows where they're at. So these are just some prayer points. But a visitation might, might be the answer for some. So pray for, for God to visit them. He wants to do it. He does do it. Why not for your loved one? Amen? Right, point number 10. Pray that they would believe the gospel. Now, this is particularly after you've shared the gospel message or a testimony or, or some scripture with somebody. Pray that they would, they would believe it. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says this. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. The Word of God is at work in people who believe. Faith comes by hearing. So pray they would believe. Just add your prayers to that. You know, remind God, Jeremiah 1.12, I think it is, that He, Lord, you watch over your Word to perform it. So your Word is life. We're asking that Word goes forth and brings belief in that person's life. In Isaiah 55, 11, many of you know the scripture again about the power of the word. It says, God says, so shall my word go forth from my mouth and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing to which I've sent it. So the powerful prayers to, to pray for somebody after, they've, um, after, you've, after you've shared with them. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel is the power of God under salvation. And your word says, Father, that faith comes by hearing. So I pray that you'll watch over this word that I've just shared with Joe so that it will be accomplished and it will do what you've sent it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So we pray that people will take hold of the, the word and start to believe it, that God would supernaturally bring it to life, the Holy Spirit would enlight it in, in their minds. So there's 10 points for you. Probably 10 more I could share with you, but I think they're 10 ones that really spoke to me. And I think that, um, <clears throat> as I say, it's not a formula. They're just prayer points. You've got to personalize them. You've got to use them as you see and as the Spirit would lead you. But a lot of people don't pray because they're not sure what to pray. So uh, as I say, I've got a handout for you. 
um, where you can, uh, after the service, pick it up at the information centre, okay? That'll highlight those, summarise those 10 points for you. It'll help you in your prayer life. Um, it'll be great. Just a couple of things before we finish. Um, there are a couple of things you, else you can pray for. And uh, that is, firstly, you should pray for yourself. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Even Paul acknowledged the need for prayer for him. He says in Colossians 4.3, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. And it makes sense. We looked at that uh, scripture from Romans 10 last week, didn't we? How can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? That's our job, church. So pray for boldness. If you're a bit shy on this area, pray that God will give you boldness in proclaiming the gospel. Pray for God to give you favor and to open up doors and opportunities. And then just share as you can. Don't think about, oh, what am I going to Just go with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And just start with small steps. You see what God will do if you put your life in His hands. Second thing you can pray for is pray for others. Pray for that the Holy Spirit would send others to minister to the people that you're praying for. There's a principle here. Right, um, um, Matthew 9.38 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You see, what I've experienced and what I've seen is that it doesn't happen often that many people come to Christ just by hearing the, the message once. It generally takes multiple exposures. God's working on them. The Word of God's at work in them. And they're hearing, they're being reminded. And the Holy Spirit's bringing to remembrance. So it's good if you do what you can Wow, what if God could bring someone else along into their lives that could add to what you've done? Remember in the book of um, 1 Corinthians, I think it is, uh, where it says that Paul planted, then Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. So Paul had shared the gospel, but they weren't quite there. Then Apollos came along, and he, he also preached and prayed for them, and eventually they got saved. So that's the principle. So pray for others that God would send other people into the lives of the ones that you're praying for so they can also bring a, an encouragement and a message. And uh, God can use them. And God will, I'll never forget the time I was listening to an evangelist in New Zealand. You don't hear much of him these days, but back in the, back in the 90s and the 2000s, he was, he was very active, a guy, Trevor Yaxley. And he was telling a story when I was at one of his seminars um, about um, how he was at an airport once and uh, Holy Spirit led him to go up to a young man that was coming off a plane. And uh, so Trevor goes up to this guy and he said, look, I, this, you might think this is a bit weird, but um, you know, I'm a Christian and God's just told me to come up to tell, to tell you that God loves you and you need to give your life to him. And the guy just collapsed on the floor. He said, that's it, I give up. <laughs> on, on the plane, someone had, before he, no, when he left where he was coming from, someone had shared with him. He bumped into a Christian and shared the gospel with him. And he, he rubbished him and thought, oh, what a lot of rubbish. Then he got on the plane, and the person sitting next to him on the plane shared with him again. He said, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? And so Trevor coming up to him was the, the, the last straw, so to speak. And, um, and, and he said, right, I give up. It must be God. And so, um, yeah, pray for that. Pray for others to come along and add to what you're doing. We can't save anybody. We can't save anybody. We've just got to pray for them and share. God, the people, God saves people. We just do our part, then, hey, God, he's well, well pleased. We can't. So don't be discouraged if people don't give their heart to the Lord straight away. Don't give up on people. God, salvation's God's business. We just got to do what we can do, okay? Remember, someone prayed for you. That's why you're saved today. I had a friend of mine, not a close friend, I'd have to say, who just um, I found out this week had just passed away. 
And I thought, oh, I want to pray for him. And then I, I thought, goodness, it's too late. We're not Catholics. <laughs> no point praying now. No point praying now. And I thought, wow. And I'm trying to rack my brain. I thought, did I ever even pray for this guy? Now, we weren't close friends you know, um, uh, at all. But uh, I knew him uh, and um, quite well. And uh, I, uh, I'm not feeling condemned or guilty necessarily, but I'm just thinking, man, the point got me. Would you, once they're gone, it's too late. It's too late. We've got to pray for them while they're here. Yeah. So we're in a battle. We must persevere. And prayer, as I say, is one of the most powerful tools we have for invading the strongholds um, of the devil in a person's life. As I said last week, it's seldom won with a single assault. Seldom won with a single assault. It's by informed strategy, persistent attack and sacrifice that victory is achieved. So maybe, and I, when I bring these messages, the reason I'm bringing them is that firstly, God's probably speaking to me. I thought, oh, yes, Lord. And then I think, oh, it's probably a good message for everybody to hear. So, but he's speaking to me. So I'm not, I'm not telling you, I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else. And I think, well, maybe I have to have less distractions in my life reprioritize things a little bit and give a little bit more time to prayer. You see, perseverance is very important. Do not lose heart. And I know that some of you will have been praying for people for a long, long time and you haven't seen any change. Or maybe you've given up praying for them, thinking, oh, well, I've prayed, nothing's happened. I'll leave it to you now, God. I understand that. I totally understand that. I've been there. But don't lose heart. You see, intercession is not a one-time prayer. It's not a one-time prayer. We need to persist. It's not like the prayer of faith. You know the prayer of faith. We say that once, we believe, we receive, and that's it. We then just thank God for the art, for it, okay? But the intercession is not like that. Intercession is something we do on an ongoing basis. Remember Jesus told the story of the persistent widow who was trying to get justice with the un, unjust judge. And he kept coming, she kept coming and coming until finally the judge relented and she got what she wanted. In, eight, in Luke 18, Verse 1, Jesus, um, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, there's a scripture for you. Don't give up. And we persist, not because we've got confidence in the person we're praying for, necessarily. We don't know. But we pray because we have confidence in the one we're praying to. Amen? Don't give up. We persist because our claim is legitimate. That's why we use the word of God when we're praying. It must be honored. We do not give up. We pray continually. We pray fervently, consistently, confidently, expectantly. Amen. So I'd encourage you, church, to, uh, yeah, just in your prayer time, in your, in your word time, or just for any time, find some time, at least each week, preferably every day, to lift up particularly those around you. Remember, we've got our prayer care share cards where you can put the close people to you on this little card to remind you to pray for them. Prayer is the key. Then when you get an opportunity, share and care for them to show, demonstrate the love of God in practical ways. So prayer care share card is great. Um, yeah, bring it up, Di. Um, if you haven't got one, you can get these at the information center also, little blue cards. They've got, uh, you just put their name on the back here. Prayer care share reminds you, some scriptures there and uh, just uh, some prayer points. So, yeah, grab, uh, grab one of those you haven't got there. Um, other than that, there, um, there are other people in your world that are relying on you to pray for them. 
Uh, we have prayer meetings here. If you're not a confident prayer, come along to our prayer meetings. Before the service, we pray, and quite often we'll pray. We pray for lots, lots of things, but you know, quite often we'll pray for our city, for lost souls. So come along, and you, you sort of catch, I guess, um, the way, uh, good ways to pray. Uh, in, your, in, your, in your time. And also, as I say, I've got, that, um, I've got that handout, which will help you, but also we've got the Victory Prayer Book and the Victory Program. Uh, there's some stuff in there that will help you with your prayer life. So um, be encouraged. Let's not go out. Let's continue to fight the good fight of faith and uh, pray for lost people, share the gospel, and uh, give Jesus all the glory. Amen. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.